And welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? I'm all good, thank you. Okay, you're not like, hi. No, I feel like I I want to change it up. Well, yeah, talking about changing things up, Mm -hmm. people would have noticed we've actually got a new logo right now. (gasps) Exciting. Yes, we're trying to change up everything. The only thing we can't change up is my co-host. Unfortunately, we're trying to look more professional. Yeah, we're trying to uh, update ourselves to the new age. We're very professional. Yeah, well, we're, we're talking about professional. We've actually changed our setup a little bit now as well. We've got a brand spanking new Mac to record on. Exactly, more professional. Yeah, and you actually uh, sorted this out this morning for for us, basically uh, recording wise. Yes, because you couldn't figure out why the inputs and the outputs weren't working, no. and me being a genius. Figured right. it all out within the space of five minutes. Look at this. Technical whiz Jojo B. I love it. I love all that stuff. All that techie stuff. Software. Hardware. Softcore. Hardcore. Yeah. Um, but on today's show, like we already promised people on our last episode, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about our bubs, the baby. Oh, little baby. The native immigrant's baby. He's with his grandparents at the moment, and I really miss him. Oh, this Usually it's a relief to be, you know, to get a bit of a break. Absolutely. I really miss him today. You miss him every day. Every day you're just like, oh, I'm just fed up with this whole thing. I'm just, I never get a break. I never get like any time to myself. And then as soon as he's not here, it's like, my baby, he's gone. He's going to forget me. He won't forget me because I'm his mummy. Right. But uh, you'll never understand. What, because I'm not a parent myself? No, because you're not a mother. Unbelievable. Because you're not a mother. This is the thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You know, once women become mothers, they completely forget about the other side of the coin in the fact that there wouldn't be a baby if it wasn't for the dads. Uh, and we're low in priority, you know, oh, in our own household. whatever. So, Save you know, this for later anyway. Yeah, exactly. So in the second <laughs> half of the show, we will be talking about this journey and how it's been for us over the past six months now coming up to six months six months it's nuts we've been parents for a whole six months exactly the big the big 0.6 0.6 0.5 even yes the big 0.5 <laughs> the big 0.6 <laughs> yeah exactly he's <laughs> seven months in yeah the big 0.5 Aww. coming up my little baby oh, my days. but anyway <laughs> um what's been happening in this half of the show so since we last spoke to you uh-huh Something amazing happened. What? Something amazing, not for you, but for the men in your household. What would that be? Their team are champions of Europe. Yes. 
yes, yes. I mean, it's still to oh be decided whether it's, it's Bubs' team or not. Bruv. Like, come on, my G. Even you've got to give it up for the fact that Liverpool are champions of Europe. No, I'm very happy for you. Are you very, really? Yeah, genuinely. Mm-hmm. Newcastle are not going to get there anytime soon. But once we have that Middle Eastern money. Oh, uh, yeah. So what's what's going on with that? Thing. Well, so there's a, a man called something Bin Zayed yep. who wants to buy Newcastle. Uh, a fake shake. He's not a fake shake. He is the cousin of the guy who owns Man City. And if we get Man City money, then screw you all. We're going to be up there. Well, oh, if we keep Rafa, please keep Rafa. Then we genuinely could be obviously, contenders. Obviously, I love Rafa because he also won us the Champions League in 2005. But we are now current champions of Europe Thanks to the legendary Jurgen Klopp. And honestly, like last last year, you'll remember, I was really sad because we lost uh, in the Champions League final against Real Madrid. And it was a very traumatic episode for me. Trying to... in such a bad mood. The, you know, trying to bring the words together to talk about how demoralized I felt. But I'm on the other end of the spectrum now. I'm absolutely overjoyed. We're champions of Europe. It's been an amazing season. And I have to say, our bubs... Is a bit of a good luck charm. He is. Because he was born in the year that we won the Champions League. Well, the season. In the season. In the season that we won the Champions League. So that's why it's a, it's a, it's a blessing and it's an omen. He's always going to be a Liverpool sport for the rest of his life. And he was wearing his Liverpool coat. Yeah, he was a full kit baby. Yes. I can't, I can't <laughs> no, you can't term. use that term on my baby. Thank you very much. I can't use that term. I don't use those kind of... Well... I don't currently use those kind of derogatory terms. So amazing. Big up my team, the mighty, mighty Reds. You'll never walk alone. And let's hope for more success and trophies next season. Come on, Newcastle. Right. Uh, So what has been going on in our lives? Well, Jojo B and I have been out and about in town. Getting cultured. Getting cultured and bringing back the events and the big things happening in the British Asian community, which we spent pretty much a whole season talking about last year. And this year, we've so far been to like one event. Yes, separately. Yeah, we can't go. We can't go to events together anymore. Unfortunately, not. We we'll try to. We're going to try to. Yeah, maybe there might be some like baby-friendly events that we can yeah. take our bubba to. Where are the daytime things where exactly. push chairs can can wander freely? Yeah, like you know, whether we can just like bring him on one of those sling things, walk he around. Loves and, a sling. He does love a good sling, not literally like slung around and shit. No, he likes you know. the sling. He likes to cuddle. Yeah the, yeah, the sling that's that's used to to carry him. Yes. He doesn't like being slung around. Like I, I think people would frown on us if we slung around. Yeah, we can't like around. catapult him anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the visual, though, would be pretty sick. Um, I mean, you'd get to places much faster. Of Completely, you know. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Child services are literally like on the phone to us. My phone's buzzing. <laughs> people um but yeah so hopefully we get a chance to take him to some of these amazing events that are gonna be happening because it's summer now is summer fi- summer officially like kicked off is it officially summer no 21st of june I is the was, summer solstice i thought that was at peak i thought it was the peak times no it's that's the, that's day. the start of summer we're still in spring at the moment isn't it but isn't it 21st of june where it all goes downhill as well what do you mean like isn't 21st of june like the longest day Yes, and then it starts getting shorter so it peaks, Yeah, so, so it just that's when it peaks and that's all downhill, isn't it? No. Still going to get hotter. Well, let's see, because last year was extremely hot 
and you complained about it through the whole three, look i was months. heavily pregnant and really sick all the way through yeah, everyone, knows about, everyone knows about that everyone knows about that why are you bringing this? up bullshit for yeah so then now i'm actually like i've been fearing the heat so we had some few a few hot days and i was like why do i hate the sun now mm. and it's because i was so sick last year that now it's mentally ingrained in me that heat equals nausea mm. this is crazy yeah yeah you're a totally different person um but um <laughs> So these these two events that we went to check out. I just brush off things that I say. But I say it just like right end of sentence. Yes, you're a different person. And following on, moving on to something else. Yeah, I, I, there's no need to elaborate. Fuck people you, can hear. People can hear. People can see that you're a different person now to how you were last year, which is a positive thing though, because last year you were like, I fucking hate my life. I just hate everything. I'm ill, and I hate everything. I hate the summer. I hate your face. And all that sort of stuff. And now, yes. you're like a, you know, a, a you know, a brand spanking new Jojo B, you know? Jojo B. Yeah. Jojo <laughs> B. Jojo B stands for banks. <laughs> Jojo Binks. Binks even. Stands for Binks. Get your jokes right, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah. My bad. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> Right. So tell us about this awesome event that you went to the other day. So talking of being a new person and yep. reflecting on last year, I went to something called uh, the Masala Monologues writing workshop mm. it's run by a lady called singita pillai awesome pillai 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 possibly i'm terrible with my pronunciation but she's a lovely lady and she has done masala monologues before so it's basically kind of tackling the world of female south asian sexuality um and all the taboos around that so whether that's like sex periods um that you know body issues all mm. sorts of stuff that normally wouldn't really get openly talked about they're written by people who attend these workshops and they write about their own experiences mm -hmm. uh whatever comes to mind at the time you start writing and just kind of carry on and then she helps you edit it down and create something that some of which will be then be used and performed on stage oh awesome yes no way i had the best time Big up. Well, you know, like, Jojo B's always been a, a, a creative person. From the time I first met her, it slowly regressed year by year. But deep down underneath all that madness exterior, there is a genuinely creative person somewhere deep down there. We just need to find a way to, you know, extract that, you know, through her esophagus and just pull it out and expose it to the world. A lovely visual image. Anyway, I loved it and yes i'm quite a creative person and the problem with me is is that i like lots of different things and so and i get distracted very quickly i like lots of different things i do like i like doing different Who doesn't creative love things. loads of different oh, things fuck's sake. i like talking about or sorry i like doing different things talking about different things i like doing different stuff so i used to do a bit of photography yeah. or i and i used to write editorial for a magazine remember ink yeah ink I, magazine ink back magazine. in the day yeah, big, up, big up abs um as i like to call this in jojo b's hour it's potentially another hobby dropped because you drop you drop hobbies at the drop of a hat. No, the problem is that I have I can't focus on one thing and just be like, that's my passion and that's what I'm gonna do. I love lots of stuff. Jack of all trades. So master of none. Well, yes, maybe. So I like 
doing lots of different things. I used to really like writing stories in English. I remember at school, I was terrible because I always, if we got set a creative writing task, my homework was always like two weeks late and the teacher would be like, why haven't you handed it in yet? And I'd be like, but sir, I haven't been <laughs> inspired yet. That was a, oh, that was a line that I actually used on my teacher and he was like, what? And I was like, I haven't had any inspiration, sir. How could I write something with no inspiration? And he was like, fine, I'll give you another couple of days. And I wrote this laziness. amazing... No, 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 it wasn't. And I wrote this amazing story and he loved it. He loved it. It was about a dragon. <laughs> it was really, really good. Yeah. And like, and I did like, we had to do some war poetry. And I wrote this poem and my, um, my history teacher, because it was a history thing, and my history teacher got really emotional about it because he said I captured the, <laughs> the essence of war poetry what really well. So I've always liked doing it, but I just haven't, I've had to be inspired. And I felt inspired the day I went to the Masada Monologues writing workshop awesome, awesome. And it, was, it was a really lovely room to be in there was um three other people four other people sorry who attended as well so we all chatted about our own experiences and it was just really it was a really lovely space to be in yeah. felt very safe because you're talking about some very frank issues people's own personal experiences yeah. with sex and their body and all the other taboos and things that are got that go on out there and mm. so it, it was it just felt really safe to be able to say what you wanted to say. And they were very understanding about what I wanted to talk about, which was the pregnancy and the taboos around pregnancy and talking about pregnancy and how if you're not having a good experience, it's not really something that you should talk about within our community. Mm. Everyone just wants you to kind of get married, have a baby, have a baby, get pregnant, then shut up and don't talk about it and don't uncover your stomach and all that all that kind of bullshit. You know, you don't want to have any evidence of the fact that you had sex yeah. to create. You just want to get from being married to holding a baby yes and uh, yeah so that's what my monologue was about awesome but didn't you also write something about cardamom yes we had to do a warm-up mm -hmm. so it was only a five minute exercise there was lots of different items on the table yeah you pick an item and you write about it so there was junis and bindis and all that kind of stuff and i picked cardamom yeah and wow. i wrote a little little bit it was just free free thought it was not a poem or anything like that it's just free thought about this object that's in front of you well the world is your oyster why don't you share this uh piece of writing for us shall i well yeah because you don't get a chance to do anything creative and i'm giving you this platform for you to do it so don't don't you know don't okay, don't, fuck don't it laugh up. Don't, don't laugh fuck at me up. don't laugh okay. one shot only cardamom the scent is like the essence of home it reminds me of home, of mom, of cooking my favourite dishes, eating my favourite dishes, of India, of my Indianness. It has an intoxicating smell. It holds promise of the exoticness within. It tastes delicious. Masala tea for rishtas. Masala tea for comfort. On Sunday afternoons, curled up watching Antiques Roadshow with mum and a pile of biscuits. Our time alone. Mum. I hope my son thinks of me when he smells cardamom. Mum. Oh, very lovely. Like I said, five minutes of just writing some stuff down. Awesome, awesome. Let it be known that I hate cardamom. So yeah, we discussed uh, that in the workshop. <laughs> yeah, I cannot stand it. Honestly, like for for a vegetarian, I've got loads of particulars. Cardamom, I don't like. I don't like clove. I don't like ginger. I don't like raw coriander. The, yeah, I can I can list off the things that I absolutely hate. Cardamom being being one of the options. Just you know, when you're having something and you crunch it, it's like. Uh, but it's the flavor it's the perfume that like permeates through all of our cooking mm. and that's why it's so evocative for me i love the smell of it because it makes me instantly think of my indianness yeah and 
all the cooking and stuff that happens at home and that's like that's your connection to home isn't it quite often yes absolutely the true. smells and the tastes of home it's it's nice it's kind Very of like good. a lovely comforting feeling so yes that's why i wrote about cardamom awesome um if you want to find out more about masala monologues then follow at soul sutras how do you spell that s-o-u-l-s-u-t-r-a-s mm-hmm. you can follow soul sutras on instagram and twitter Awesome. And will there be more workshops uh, happening throughout the year? I'm not sure about workshops, but I know that there will be another performance coming based off the back of the current workshops that she's done. Uh, Okay. So there may be a Jojo B performed piece. If it's good enough. So I wouldn't perform it. Like an actor would perform it, obviously. But yeah, yeah, I know exactly. And plus, if I put me in front of a crowd of people, I'll freeze and piss myself on the stage. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So, um, but if it's good enough. Mate, you never know. Mate, the world is your oyster. Yeah. Uh, but awesome. So that was an amazing night there for Jojo B. I also went to an event, uh, something uh, a little bit creative as well, something to get my juices flowing mm-hmm. and be inspired by. It was at an old haunt of ours as well, wasn't it? It was indeed. It's where we met. It is where we met for the first time. That is the Nottingham Arts Club. Many, many moons ago <laughs> at the old Bombay Bronx night. The place had changed a lot. Has it? Yeah. It's kind of it's a bit a bit cleaner. I kind of miss the kind of griminess <laughs> of the old uh the old Nottingham Arts Club. I remember in the summer when the ceilings used to drip. Drip, yeah, oh, yeah. Everyone's rank. sweating and uh, perspiration <laughs> would just eke out onto the walls. So disgusting. Uh, but it was a an altogether different scenario this time around. It was a showcase night. And uh it was hosted by Native Sounds. Uh, which is uh, Prash from Desi Beats and DJ Harps from the BBC Asian Network, and it was a it was a night of new talent as well as some established artists as well at the same time, and it got a chance I guess for someone like me who hasn't really been really connected to the British Asian scene for quite a long time to hear what's out there right now and if actually things are growing and if things are actually progressing. So uh, my homie Rita Mora performed. Big up Rita, she was awesome. And she performed a, a new cover of another Bollywood track. And yeah, just amazing voice. I, I, I know Rita for years, but it's the first time I've actually seen her perform solo live. A really amazing voice. You shouldn't be surprised by that. It's not surprising, but and it's more surprising I've taken this long to actually see her live. But also, when you hear it in the flesh, her voice is like extraordinary. It's very beautiful. And she got a great reaction from the crowd in the room. Uh, also, Swati performed. Swati we've known for a long time as well. And she's been working on a lot of her solo material in yeah. the last year or so. And she got a chance to showcase that. And again, she did an acoustic vibe with a, a guitarist that day, uh, which is also really nice. Um, heard her perform for the first time for After Ages, sounding amazing. Uh, but there was also some really great new artists coming through. And uh, I think there was a guy called Sachit, who's from South London, um, really good. There was a guy called Ricky Chohan, a rapper. He's, I think he's also from South London. Again, very, very good. New rappers coming out because I'm always like, where are the rappers now? You know, where are the aging rappers for the next generation to get behind? And now we're seeing more and more of those coming out. Um, but there was an artist called Harris Hamid. And I'm telling you, this guy has got a lot of potential. Okay. He, he's from Leeds, up north. I think he's like 21. Um, but just awesome music really really great kind of like a weekendy kind of vibe um and he performed a couple of a couple of tracks uh, that he's putting out and then he did one collaboration with another rapper friend of his um but great voice and um you know 21 got a long career ahead of him 
um, that's a one name to really look out for uh, in the upcoming weeks, months, and years. Have to give him a listen. Sounds yeah. like my kind of thing. He might already be a big thing now. I don't even know. Like, that's how that's how far removed I've been from everything. So it's um, for me, it was like a one of the older heads to kind of see what the younger heads are up to. And it was kind of like, it was quite inspiring because I was like, you know what? It, it makes me want to get back onto the saddle and start, get back to writing and putting putting some music out. Don't be so lazy then and get it done. I know, I'm just not, no, it's finding the inspiration. <laughs> I need to find the inspiration. <laughs> Mate, that this. is a good line. And coming from a 12-year-old, it's a brilliant line. You're still using that line today. Yeah. So uh, I've just jacked that one time. <laughs> Um, but there will be a lot more native sounds showcases uh, and um, performances coming up throughout the year. So um, follow them on their social media links to find out more information and get down and support support British Asian artists. Because if our own communities don't do that, who will? Right, random one. Mm-hmm. DNA testing. Oh yes. So this is a really odd thing and we weren't even going to talk about this. We just literally had this conversation like half an hour ago before we put the show out and it was like we should just talk about this on the podcast. Yes. And we're like, yeah, all right. DNA testing. Yes. Wagwan. So I don't mean like the Jeremy Kyle type of like paternity test or anything like that. No. Rest in peace the Jeremy Kyle show, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, you're going to have to find something else now to watch in your mornings. I never watched Jeremy Kyle. Every time he's like, even when I worked like, at ITV, it used to be on the screen all the time. We never actually watched it. We just used to read the headline thing and then laugh about it and then just go and carry on with work. See, that's the thing—just poking fun at the working class, you people, isn't it? No, it's not. Horrendous. It's just the awfulness of the show. Anyway, we digress. Yes. So DNA testing. Um, I've always been interested to know what my heritage is in terms of, you know, where I come from. I know my family comes from India, but. Especially if you're from the northwest region of India, there's a lot of mixing that happened because it was a trade route mm -hmm. over the centuries. Our blood has become very mixed. It is. And so I wanted to just know. Blue and green, red and blue. <laughs> I just want to know, you know, I, I do, what am I made of? Who am I made of? <laughs> Who are you made of indeed? Yeah. So I want to know my lineage What makes up a Jojo B? <laughs> exactly. What does? Um, the a newt's eye the uh, rabbit's ear it's not the witches uh, <laughs> you're not making me anyway so i thought let's let's look into the dna testing now we've had bubs especially it's really interesting to find out i think mm. you know what his heritage is because as the generations go on the, within the asian community living here there's a bit more of a distance from you know the motherland as such yeah so i want him to understand where he comes from mm. going forward you know like, this is where you've come from. This is where you are now. This, you're an amalgamation of everything. Yeah, absolutely. And so I thought I'd look into it. It's really fucking confusing mm. because there's so many different types of testing. Yeah. And there's ones that that work for men only because they test the Y chromosome and they can, t they can look at the paternal lineage. There's ones that are for the mitochondrial and there's others that are autosomal, which are like kind of generic, like this is your total 50% from your mom, 50% from your dad. You could be around about, you know, a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of this from all Bloody over yeah. the place. And it's a bit more generic. Which one do you go for? What do you pay for? There's health ones. Do you want to know if you've got some gene that could give you Alzheimer's or some types of cancer? Do you want to know that shit? Nope. No, I think I'd rather not know yeah. and just carry Ride on with life until something happens, if it's going to happen. So anyway, be looking into it. And I think we should do it because I think we should reveal our, you know, our results on air. In a later show. Yeah, on the show. Jeremy as we're recording Kyle it. style. Yeah. 
I think wow. we should do it. Should we we'll just open the envelope as we're as we're on as we're on the I show? It becomes an envelope or an, an email, but whichever. We should just open it while we're recording. Damn. So what if you find out that you're actually adopted? Well, I look very much like my mom's side of the family, so that would be a bit strange. But mm. if I was adopted, then I'd have some questions. But that's <laughs> yeah. one of the things that it asks you. I've been reading the reviews on these things. It asks you, do you want to know this information? Are you prepared to find out that you are adopted or one of that your dad's not your dad or one of those things? Or you might have some kind of illness that runs in your family. Are you prepared mm. to have that information? Are you prepared? Yeah. Because oh, I, I mean, I'm pretty certain that my mum and dad are my mum and dad. So I don't think there'll be any surprises in that form. And the health one, I'm not even going to touch. So it's just basically about our heritage. Yeah. I guess it will be a little bit more difficult for these UK-based companies to track down specifically what your lineage is in terms of where your ethnic makeup is. I think it's more difficult because it's more likely that people from Western countries would have done these tests. Mm. They're not as popular in China or India or all those kind of places. So how they work is that they have a whole database of people. Yes. So then they, they have more accurate results because of that. That's how they build up their results database. Right. Um, and also with some of them, they can link you to relatives. So if that's a real thing for you, if you want to know about distant relatives and be linked to them, then you might be better off doing some types of dna testing versus others but if you're asian you're probably less likely to find yeah distant relatives because they might not be in this country or they might not have done the test that they're less likely to have done the test yeah so i'm not really bothered about finding long lost relatives our family big enough as it is and I, to be fair i think we know most of our long lost distant <laughs> relatives anyway like long they're, lost relatives they're just not lost up, they just turn up on your doorstep i'm your kakas fui's you know, my dad doesn't let us forget anyone. No one. He doesn't let us lose any relatives. So we all know each other from like generations past. We're still related to each other, if you mm. know what I mean. We're still very close. Yeah. So I don't need any of that. What I do want is to know ethnicity-wise. Yeah. What bit comes from where? Yeah. Because we've had, we've got blue eyes in my family, and we've got brown hair and very light skin in a lot of my relatives and like close relatives. Where does that come from? Because that's not native to india could they be mutants i mean potentially mm. explains a lot if they have special powers like fly i mean i want to why can't i fly then because uh, you're a human being <laughs> um so, so um <laughs> it would be really really interesting to find this stuff out um you know I, I'd, I'd be quite intrigued although like that my dad's already hit me with one bombshell about my lineage what's that in that you know because i'm like you know very proud gujarati <laughs> and i'm all about gujarat gujarat's in navad and then, uh, and then we were having this conversation, and my dad dropped it to me that uh, our original family came from uh, Haryana. No, they came from Himachal, and then they. This because I was there when he explained this, and then they moved down through into Haryana, which then at, what po- at that point I said Haryana didn't exist until the sixties. So really, you came into Punjab, and then his dad was like, "No, yeah, no, we're Gujarati." Had nothing. He wanted nothing to do with Punjab, and also I think. Himachal was part of Punjab at one point, probably at the point where your family would have known. So really, you're a Punjabi and I married a Punjabi, so it's all good. That's um, that's very, very subjective, extremely debatable. Mm. And hopefully this DNA test <laughs> will enable me to find out that I'm 100% Gujarati and, um, you know, put you in your place. Whatevs. Yeah. But if you are interested in DNA testing, let us know. Are we doing the right thing? Have you done it? Which one should we go for? I'm going between two at the moment. Ancestry DNA mm. and living DNA. 
Okay. They're the two that I can't decide between. So it's like, it's like choosing between like McDonald's and Burger King, isn't it? If either of those companies would like to send us DNA testing kits, we'll use those and we'll promote you on air and you, we will read out the uh, the results. Yes, because you know Ancestry DNA are listening in right now. Well, you so, never know. Mate, it's the biggest podcast in the world. If you're not, then literally what are you doing with your life? Right, so yeah, DNA testing. Let us know. Get involved. Are we doing the right thing? And if not, why not? Let us know. Um, and lastly, uh, coming back to TV screens, Ackley Bridge is returning to Channel 4. I love this show. We both love this show. We do. And it's um, it's one of those shows, like we speak about over and over again, is the portrayal of British Asians on TV. And this is a show I feel that, I know it's, it's a little bit fantasy-based in terms of some of the crazy storylines they have on it. It's the most realistic, though, that I've seen in terms of us mixing with just wider British society, yeah, yeah, like it's the most realistic portrayal. I think we're not, they're not they're not fucking terrorists. Yeah, exactly. Terrorists are once in a blue moon, whereas most people are just normal and trying to get on with life. Yeah, um, but we saw a, a realistic version of this a scenario in the Great British School Swap. Yeah, uh, which is also uh, a, a real eye opener. But you know, there are a lot of similarities, obviously, between the two shows. Yeah. In the amalgamation of two different communities in a small town and how they coexist. Uh, yeah, there wasn't much difference between fact and fiction, I thought. No. If you see the first few episodes of Ackley Bridge and the way the kids have to mix together, yeah. it's very reminiscent of what happened in real life yeah. in the Great British School Swap. Yeah, a lot, a lot of ignorance and a lot of curiosity, yeah. I guess. Um, so, yeah, very much looking forward to the new series of Ackley Bridge. Hopefully it carries on the same level of reality-based storylines Together with some, you know... Far-fetched ones. Far-fetched ones, yeah. Um, but it's a great show that really represents our community really, really well on TV. So I hope you all go out and support it. Right. Well, that's the end of this half of this episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. When we come back on the other side, we recount all the crazy emotional roller coaster that is the story of our bubs. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And in this half of the show, we're going to be talking about the Native Immigrants Baby. Bubble. Our bubs. If you'll listen in to the last few episodes of season one, you'll have found out that we were pregnant and that we were going to be embarking on a new monumental journey in our lives. And six months on, we're going to be discussing it with you. Yeah. In this half of the show. Six months, it's gone by so quickly. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it was, it was almost like seven, eight months since we stopped the show. Wow. And uh, our baby was due in December. And, and came in December. <laughs> and came in, thankfully came in the same month as <laughs> yeah. well. It wasn't one of these crazy, long, overdue babies. He, he was a week overdue. He was a week late. That was long enough. Six days. It was long enough. Yes. Um, I know because I lived through it. 
Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, let's go back, Jojo B. Let's rewind time. Yes. To December 2018. Hmm. How was that month for you? Um, it was hard. It was monumental. It was life changing. Mm. It was a whole load of things. Emotional, yeah. like the best and the worst, basically, all yeah. in one. Yeah. So, like I said, he was six days overdue. I was bouncing on the bursting ball. I was. Mm-hmm. We were doing walks yep. and all sorts of stuff. Walking had, up and down the stairs. We had all these things planned as well, thinking that you know what, he's not going to come on this time. So let's just go out and just you know explore the world. Yeah. So we had by the time. We got to five days overdue. It was my um, midwife appointment and she gave me something which is a, called a sweep. Ouch. Yeah. So basically they kind of stick your, their fingers in you and just Lovely. kind of swirl them around a little bit and try and make the cervix do something. And then that kind of helps things along. Yeah. She goes, it doesn't really work a lot of the time, but you know, it's worth a try. Mm. Gave it a go. The next day on the Saturday, so that was a Friday, Saturday, we were like, right, we're going to go out and we're going to, we're going to go to Brent Cross, weren't we? No, I think it was St. Albans or somewhere, wasn't it? Somewhere. Anyway, Red Cross. <laughs> I can't remember. We were going to go somewhere for a wander round. And I had my usual afternoon nap, yep. early afternoon nap, which I had got into the habit of doing. And I woke up and I was like, mm, something, something doesn't feel quite right. And I went in the shower to get ready and stuff. And I was like, oh, something definitely doesn't feel right. And I came out of the shower and I just remember going, babes, think it started and you're like really what what and then i was like i don't know though because i don't know what this is meant to feel like so carried on bouncing on the birthing ball we didn't go out thankfully yeah and then yes it definitely started yeah do you know at that point my first thought process was fuck we we didn't clean the flat <laughs> because i looked around the place and it was an absolute tip and, and i believe your nesting later on it, later on we were supposed to clean the flat that day because we were going to like somewhere the next day and so the place was absolutely filthy it wasn't that bad it was pretty bad it was untidy it was very untidy i immediately thought shit we'll have to just deal with this when we get back we (laughs) um (laughs) so then yes they all kind of ramped up and i had my tens machine on and i had my breathing going on my hypnobirthing breathing we'll talk about hypnobirthing in a bit and getting ready for it all and like just like ringing and then my waters broke and yeah, I was like oh it did. wasn't like Hollywood where it all just gushes out that's the thing so I was oh, expecting no. this like you know all the episodes of these sitcoms that we used to watch and the films where like all of a sudden there's like a pool of water yeah I was really worried about my carpet what would happen to it exactly no none of that happened I was like oh I just need a wee and then I went and I was like oh no okay I didn't need a wee it was just no. my waters um and that's when I rang the hospital and they were like right in you come so we went off to the hospital and yeah i was having contractions on the stairs having contractions when we got to the car yep. having contractions all along the way i was like oh wincing 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 okay good kind of breathing through it and you were counting the breaths and stuff yep i did the one two three four five and one two three four five me at my monotone best my soothing monotone best uh, yep and yeah and then we got there and there was like six other couples waiting to give birth as well. They're all sitting there and the ladies are all in various stages of contractions and labor Some are a lot stuff. more calmer than others. There was, I think there was one lady that already had a couple and this was like, she was like, yeah, it's just like, you know. It is whatever. It, what it, it is exactly, yeah. yeah. And there's another one who was screaming the fucking place down. Yeah, that, at that, that point, I just envisaged that woman's screaming with your voice. 
And I thought, this is basically going to be my life for the next few hours. I cannot praise the midwives enough. I cannot. So the one who did the first examination and said, right, you're ready to go into the room. Yeah. And then what the one who was with us from then on, just amazing. Yeah. They awesome. were so good. And so, and she just kind of said to me, look, if you're screaming, you're just wasting your energy. There's no need to scream through this. Mm. And there really wasn't. No. And... Well, I'd say no. I've never actually been through childbirth myself. Screaming no. You kind of, and I had read about this and it's really strange, but you just make this really guttural, what ends up sounding a bit like a mooing sound, I guess. I mean, you you will remember because I was in a zone. I was away with the fairies at this point. No drugs or anything. Just your brain takes you to a place so that you can cope with it. And, but I think I was kind of like mooing. (laughs) Yeah, it was was definitely uh, mammal-like. Yeah. lot of lot of the kind of gruntish mooing yeah because it, it's I, I mean i can't even really remember the pain and i always used to be like oh whatever you can't really remember the pain when people used to say that to me but i can't remember the pain and mm. I, I remember it hurt but i just don't remember what that pain felt like right um so much vaguely i can remember and i was in the pool we had we had the perfect perfect half of a delivery that we could have ever had yeah because we had uh, a pre-existing birthing plan and um you know our focus was trying to make this as soothing and relaxing as possible the hospital that we went to had limited uh, rooms that catered to those specific requirements yeah we were lucky on that day those rooms were free so we managed to get a pool going. Uh, yeah, the birthing you know. pool. They had one birthing pool and I got it. Yeah, exactly. And we had candles everywhere. Not real candles, they're LED. LED, yeah. LED, twinkly LED, ones. Exactly. You can't have real, yeah, you can't have real flames. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and we had music going. We had this uh, amazing playlist of soothing material tunes. Neo Soul, because I'm a Neo Soul head. Yeah, I had to put myself through that for all those hours. But I thought I'd do that for you, you know. I would be there for you to listen to these tunes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and yeah, it was legitimately the most perfect scenario. And then, you know... Dim lights. Dim lights. We'd seen a lot of these videos uh, similar to those on our NCT classes, and we'd uh, read about them, obviously, through Google and other websites and Mumsnet, places like that. And so it ticked all those boxes mm. on what, like, the perfect birth would feel like and look like yeah i had no drugs i was just breathing and 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 i had my tens machine on until i got in the water yeah a tens machine is something it's like a it has pads that you can put on your back mm-hmm. and they send like electrical impulses i think it's like kind of vibrations into your muscles and so this one was a birthing one so when the contractions hit you just press boost mode yeah and it just it's meant to be i think for a, a way for your brain to be distracted from the actual pain oh, okay it Bucking was amazing. You have to start it quite early on. Yeah. But I cannot recommend it enough. It was brilliant. And please use it just for those purposes. Don't use it for anything. Um... No, you can use it afterwards. If you've got period pain and shit, you can use it afterwards. Don't use it for like intimate things is what That's you're getting what for. Yeah, don't do say. that. That will hurt. The way you say it is like it stimulates that area and gets it all no, you put it on plug. your back. There was two on my shoulders and two on my lower back. Yeah, but you know, there might be some people listening that will be like, well, it could, it could, could work. No, don't do that. It will hurt. Yeah. Um, and if you and not even do do it and it does hurt, then you deserve everything you get because you're an idiot, right? <laughs> but anyway, so if you have pains, back pain, period pain, whatever afterwards, you can use it. So I'm going to get it out because I do get back pain now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Tens Machine got in the pool. The water was so soothing. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it was amazing. I highly recommend a birthing pool if you can get one as well. And yeah, no drugs. See. And then I just went straight when it got a bit too much after a while. What? Because there's a point where your birth kind of like the pains change. Mm-hmm. And in that in between bit, when you go in from having contractions to wanting to push, there's this in between bit where you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Your brain just kicks in and just is like, I don't want this. We can't do this. This is the, I've had enough. Just, just, you know, cut it out of me. All that kind of shit. Yeah, right? you went to zero to a hundred pretty yeah. quick. And I said, I need an epidural. And the midwife laughed at me. And I was like, I'm not sure that that's the reaction that I want. And she was like, you haven't even had gas and air yet. What are you on about? Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting an epidural. Because I'd written in my birthing plan, I didn't want to have any drugs. Mm-hmm. And it was so good that she kind of stuck to that. She didn't force anything on me. Yeah. But then eventually I did kind of say, I had the gas and air, which was brilliant. Yeah. And I, so I was in the pool for a little bit longer. Mm. And then... Then I was like, no, I, can't, I really can't do this anymore. This is all a bit too much. Yeah. You know, I'm on my hands and knees in the pool at this point, just going, no, don't want to do this. Begging the, the, the God of light to extract this child out of you. Yeah, exactly. And so she's like, right, okay, let's get out and then check. I have to check you. And if you want an epidural, we can give you one. Mm. She checked me and she was like, no, you're the bear. She's, yeah. This baby is ready to come out of you. We can't. She goes, it's going to take forever to get an epidural. Just do it. Yeah, and no screaming she said just do it and I don't want to hear a sound <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just looked at him and at this point because it all eased off a bit I was a bit more back to my senses and I was like what? <laughs> yeah it's kind of simple I guess if you're going to grunt like a cow you might as well give birth like one as well when you watch those those shows where these where these uh, mammals give birth there's not a peep out of these uh, the, the, these amazing mother animals it just like drops out of them and they're just still grazing, oh, no, I'm, eating I'm grass. I'm pretty sure that they, they feel something. They do. But there's not a peep out of them. What? Some do. Nah. When have you seen anything give birth other than me? I've watched a lot of David Attenborough shows. <laughs> and, uh, All right, well, nothing. fine. She was like, if you're, wa- you're going to be wasting your energy if you're screaming. There's no need to scream. Just push. Mm. And so I was screaming. And if I made even the slightest noise, she was like, you're not pushing properly. Yeah. You know, she goes, you're pushing from your throat, not from your bits yes so you need to push from your pelvis and so we tried this is the point where it felt like it stopped going to plan it stopped being fun (laughs) well it stopped going to plan and being the way that we wanted it and this it can happen so it can happen at any point in your labor it might not happen at all or everything might go to plan and lots of things that i've read from people have been like they've had the perfect births and it's gone the way that they wanted it but not everybody has that yeah we didn't have that experience unfortunately um he just wouldn't come he was a bit stuck. Yeah, and uh, we're sharing this with you because, you know, this is our experience and how it went for us. It's not necessarily how you may go through yours. It could be so much more amazing. Uh, it- no, it was still amazing for us, but it could be more along the lines of what you want, yeah, ideally. absolutely. But I think it's it's good for us to share this because not enough people, I think, within our communities talk about these things. No, I mean, like your friends will be happy to give you their horror stories. And this, I'm not going to give you my horror story because, but I, like I just said, the first half of it was not anything but a horror story. It was perfect. Mm. And the second half of it, actually, I didn't feel too horrified by mm. at the end of it. Yeah. So Because we got our bubs at the end. Yeah. And also because... We were quite well prepared to deal with things if they weren't going the way that we wanted to do. Yeah. And I think that's a very key point there. It's it's about doing your preparation and your research and your planning as much as you possibly can yeah. before the day. So that's including having all your bags ready at the drop of a hat because they could 
any time basically this could happen within a week before week after even a month before potentially yeah the key thing is the preparation the planning which is why your birthing plan is really really important think of all the scenarios yeah. think of do as much research as you can and think about all the different scenarios what if you need an emergency c-section what if you need some other kind of intervention what would you do yeah and so we had to have some intervention the doctor came she tried we tried every position possible to try and make this baby come by himself mm. and he didn't want to come yeah and it gets to a point where actually then you start thinking is it dangerous to him yeah so the doctor said to us this is what we think you should do and so that's what we went with yes yeah so if we replay that scenario from being now you're now you're on the bed you're no longer in the pool yes so i ended up in what was my personal worst case scenario legs up in stirrups yeah after having tried everything medieval else, style yeah after having tried everything else that we could we tried a birthing stool we tried leaning against the bed everything that you could do to find gravity to make it happen did you try ginger biscuits fuck the ginger biscuits <laughs> If you don't get that reference, listen listen back to our show. Listen back to literally every show we have. Yeah, but the show especially about high premises. Fuck the ginger biscuits, right? Yeah. But thank God for the Lucasade. Mm. We went with Lucasade, and you were there with the straw, giving me my Lucasade sport all the way yeah. through to help me because you need to keep up. Think about this. It's like a marathon. Yeah. You need to keep up your energy. It's like a good workout. Yeah, that's and how you should put That's how it, sh it should be praised. It's actually a really good workout yes. that's going to be painful when you get to the end of it because every strenuous workout is yeah but it's also a very rewarding and fulfilling as well at the same time yes. at the end of it you know the main thing is is that you get to the end of it safely and so does the baby yeah. and you know and if that happens then you've got your medal and i have my medal mm. yes stirrups doctors the lights go on bright lights and like five other people come in the room yeah. and uh, you know what can you do like you just got to do what to do the doctor at the same at the time she was prepping everything and she was saying to me just keep pushing when the urge comes push maybe we can get this done before we have to do anything and they were like it's nearly there it's nearly there for about an hour and a half so then we had to have a forceps delivery yes unfortunately so um we'd read about it uh previously and we'd also discussed it in our NCT group uh, about using forceps and how it's one of the, I guess, worst case scenarios. Yeah, um, it's not very nice to have, I imagine having something, some metal bits put on you and like sucked out, like kind of pulled out of yeah. somewhere. It's not nice. It's not nice for him. It's not, it wasn't nice for me. Now, this is where I think we should go back to the point of, we were given the choice of what we should do, but this was the most sensible choice for us to go for. Mm -hmm. And we had done an online birth, uh, hypnobirthing course. Mm -hmm. Hypnobirthing, if you don't know what it is, it's not being hypnotized and all that kind of bullshit. It's just about learning what your body does during the process of giving birth. Yes. So the actual kind of anatomy of it all yep. and what's happening yep. inside of you and then learning ways to control or help that along. Mm -hmm. Through breathing. Yes. So imagine if you're running, like I said, like go back to the marathon analogy. If you're running a marathon and you're not breathing correctly, you're going to pass out. Yes. Your muscles stop working, they seize up, you're not getting enough you know, oxygen and blood to your to your to the bits that need to work efficiently. This is the same thing. So if you breathe and you breathe in the correct manner, you are helping to get the oxygen to those muscles to keep working so they don't seize up. Yes. And it was the most enlightening course. We spent £35 on this course. Mm -hmm. 
you can go and do it face to face in places and, and spend a bit more if you want to. But we'd already paid for our NCT classes, which yeah. would be like 300 quid. So we didn't want to spend loads more. But we did it at home, online. And you did it with me. Every yep. single module you did with me, even though I'd said to you, you didn't have to do it all. But you sat and watched them all with me. And we learned actually what is going on yeah because i guess you know you again we read a lot google is your friend that way uh, things we learned from nct and from school and stuff you just kind of go into it yeah, with like that's kind of that vague notion of exactly yeah. what happens uh you know during pregnancy and then obviously the birth itself but this was a real breaking things down yeah really going into uh, the details without talking about the the scientific um you know analogies of how these things work it was just a very easy very like calming um you know way of explaining uh the birthing process yeah the course that we did the woman is just so soothing it's ridiculous like yeah. she, her voice is amazing um but we watched these and we learned what was going on so it it's very very methodical the way that they break it down mm. and so by the end of it the, re the reason that I got through m m all of it without any drugs, I took no drugs whatsoever. So when I finally said I wanted the epidural and they said no, that was the end of it. There, I, there was, that was the last point that I could have taken any drugs. So I had no drugs apart from the gas and air, which I also gave up. Mm. Um, so I just did it with my own gut yeah. and uh, the LucasAid sport. Yeah. And um, it's it was the breathing that got us through. Yep. And I think I lost my way with the breathing, which might be why I ended up having to have this intervention. But also within that course, it taught you how to deal with not so ideal scenarios mm. or not planned for scenarios and how to actually plan for those things, actually. Yeah. Like how to think about those and give you a kind of when your brain's not quite working right and you're sleep deprived and you're shattered and I've been giving birth, I'm in the middle of giving birth and you're in the middle of kind of being emotionally tortured watching it happen. Yeah. Then how do you, how do you make a correct decision? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, and this gave us the tools to do that. And so we had it in our, in our birthing plan, what yeah. we wanted to do. And at the end of the day, for us, the main thing was the safe delivery of bubs. Yeah. I did not want any harm to come to him. If any harm came to me, then actually physically, as long as I'm not dead, like the phys physically, I would recover and so it would be fine. It yes. would be okay. And yes, there was some damage to me. And yes, I did have to have some surgery. I didn't get, I got two seconds to hold him. Yeah. And then I, he got taken away and we didn't get to do stuff like delayed cord cutting, all the stuff that we wanted to do at the end wasn't possible because I needed surgery immediately yeah. afterwards because I was losing a lot of blood. And... um. I got whisked away for an hour and a half, two hours to have to have some surgery done. Yeah. So that moment, basically, where you actually delivered him was one of the most surreal, emotional, crazy experiences uh, of my life, for sure. Probably both of ours. Yeah. Uh, definitely both of ours. Uh, because, um, you know, he, he came out, he was kind of blue, wasn't crying. So that was an immediate kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. He came out and at this point... We're still unaware of what sex he is. Yeah, they were like, congratulations. And we were like, what is what it? What is it? <laughs> it's a baby. <laughs> and the midwife went, you know oh, yeah, saying? you don't know, do you? <laughs> yeah. So um, by that point, it's not that we didn't care what sex he was. Uh, or what is it? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? It was almost like a relief. Is, that, you, that is, this is, is it okay? Yeah, is it okay? Is yeah. it healthy? Fine. And there's no complications. And he's got, you know, 10 fingers and toes and he's breathing. Uh, and even he's got nine fingers, we'd still love it. Yeah, um, you know, um, but it's um, it was more a case of, oh my God, I can't believe that this is done and it's over and he's here. 
So, yeah, but we got a boy, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so the, we, they took our baby to a, like a small cubicle on the other side of the room. And um, they called me over to like to spend some time. <laughs> Unfortunately, positioned cubicle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was positioned like on just the opposite side of the room to where Jojo B was. It's like kind of at the foot of the bed, but a bit further a bit along. Further along. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was like, oh my god, like you know, seeing my baby for the first time. And you know, I I took a took a look at him, and he was obviously absolutely gorgeous. He's a beautiful baby. And I turned around to Jojo V. And Jojo V's got a smile on her face saying, is he okay? Is everything fine? From the waist up, she looked awesome. She, <laughs> she's a beautiful, elegant mother who just delivered her baby. From the waist down, it can only be described as a massacre. Oh, no, don't say that. It was... A was it more, that bad? Yeah, because not only was there, like just a sea of red it was almost like that that scene from the shining with the elevator doors open i lost a lot of blood but not only that there was a waterfall of blood still flowing out from you oh, at that think, point i think i lost like a liter and a half of blood yeah but when to see you looking calm and everything's okay and you're smiling and you've got thumbs up from the top off and then seeing a waterfall of blood still flowing out of you at that point and for me, being extremely squeamish uh, myself. Yeah, you hate the sight of blood. <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, it was a, a yeah, an emotional roller coaster of uh, physical and emotional uh, senses at that moment in time. So I had had a tiny bit of local anaesthetic because it had to make it like I mean, this is the, probably way more detail we should give. But I it was a little bit of a cut made by the doctor, mm. and uh, that cut unfortunately got much worse. But so there was a tiny bit of. That local anaesthetic there but that was it and I, I literally had no idea what was going on the doctor looked at me with such concern she was like we need to get you to surgery right now and I was like really yeah. what for and she was like you're losing blood I was like am I yeah really I this is weird kind of sense of euphoria that happens when you deliver your baby because all the love and all the hormones just kind of rush not everybody has that rush of hormones and love I'm yeah. going to put that out there right now but I did I was just like oh my god I'm so happy it's all over with I think it was more relief that it was done with to be yeah. fair and then they rushed me off to the <laughs> to the theatre and I was just chatting yeah. chatting and chatting to the anaesthetist to the man who was helping the anaesthetist just all these people and they were just like do you not just want to go to sleep like yeah. just go to sleep we're going to give you they give me that's when I got my drugs I got a spinal and it was like because ah, I was shaking your body shakes with all the adrenaline that's yeah. in your body and I was shaking and I couldn't stop shaking and um, they gave me this and I just calmed instantly and I was like oh mm. is this what an epidural would have felt like and she was like yes I don't understand why you didn't take the epidural when you could and I was like because I was in the pool and it was fine. But it felt amazing afterwards. Um, and they were like, just go to sleep. Chill out. You can't feel anything. You need the rest. And I was like, no, I just want to chat. Yeah. So yeah. I just chatted. <laughs> okay. And you <laughs> could I was chat mental. for days. I can. And it was a funny, funny old thing. I didn't actually sleep. So we, he came along at 1.46 in the morning. Mm. And I didn't actually go to sleep until 10 o'clock that night. The following. Yeah. Yeah. Following. I, did, I couldn't sleep. Oh, yeah. So, because I was just like on a high that I'd had a baby. It was an, an incredible and the high. the drugs were still in my system at that point. So I couldn't feel shit and it felt amazing. Mm. And then the drugs wore off. Oh dear. And then there was a lot of pain. 
it's just one of those things that you have to deal with, I guess. Yeah. There was a very lot of soreness. I had to I had a lot of stitches, yeah. and um, I had two weeks then after of recovery from those from my surgery and stitches. And those first two weeks were really, really hard. Yeah, really incredibly. hard. Uh, being in hospital in a in a ward i don't know why they make postnatal wards quite so warm but it was like sleeping in an oven (laughs) it was fucking awful bubs loved it but it was like sleeping in an oven and then um coming home thinking yay we can start our family life i was hobbling because it was stitches and it was hurting but i was like family life is going to start got this breastfeeding thing down i think yeah came home he wouldn't breastfeed Yes, yeah, so our bubs refused to latch. Yes. Um, you know, he, he started off really well in hospital uh, during the post-birth time period. Uh, and it was more a case of, I think, the f- two or three weeks in, he just refused to latch properly. And- it's a common thing that happens. And it's one of those things that y- you can either carry on, which we try to do. Lots of women no matter what no matter how painful it is and it is really fucking painful no one tells you that breastfeeding hurts and they're like no it shouldn't hurt if they're doing it right and i was like well he's obviously not fucking doing it right then is he because it hurts like a bitch he wasn't latching and what i did learn and ladies if you're listening and there's possibility of you breastfeeding sometime soon or you know you're in the middle of doing this right now there are resources where you can go to clinics and they teach you and they help you with um with breastfeeding so they can coach you along as to how to do how to get them to latch and i went i used up all the resources where we live there's so many different ones of those clinics there's a different one each day in different part of the area and it was brilliant the people there are amazing really helpful midwives were really helpful with it as well it was really hard yeah, and he just would just didn't know how to latch properly and he just wouldn't learn how to latch properly. And then we learned that actually he had another problem, mm. which was partly he had a breathing issue, yeah. which I think is probably the cause of that. He has something called laryngomalacia. Mm. And Explain to people what that is. So laryngomalacia, let me read you the NHS definition okay. of laryngomalacia it's a common condition of infancy characterized by floppiness of the upper airway leading to variable degrees of airway obstruction during inspiration so during breathing Mm. it is the most common cause of stridor which is noisy breathing in infants and usually presents within the first two weeks of life so he had started having this weird wheezy breathing and we were like, oh, it's just one of those things and nobody else seemed to notice it and everyone was like, no, it's fine. It's yeah. just, you know, it's just one of those kind of noisy sleepers as well because the babies, that's all they do at the beginning is sleep. And I was like, all right, fine, fine. That's where it is. That's what that's what's happening. We didn't realise until he was eight weeks old that he had this thing called yeah. laryngomalacia. So all that time he'd been breathing very noisily and just nobody, nobody had looked into it at all. Yeah. But that was because he'd had jaundice and he was in hospital for jaundice. Jaundice, by the way, everyone was like, yeah, my kid had it. It's nothing. It's fine. It's the most fucking traumatic thing I've ever been through so mm. far. I mean, hopefully nothing worse than that comes along. But he he, he just went he went yellow and then he went floppy. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, my baby's dying. And they were like, no, he's got jaundice. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And so... when You know, when new parents... Uh, so any little thing they, they say to you that if you see anything different or anything not right according to what you believe your child is going through let us know straight away so every day there'd be something new every day would be the because phone. you don't know your child yeah and he's I think, new and this is all that first month 
two two months even probably is the process of of you getting to know your child and your child getting to know you and they call it the fourth trimester yeah and the first month specifically i think is it's just very very hard because no matter how many how many people say that you know we're there to help and you've got your family's help and you've got your you know extended friends and people have gone through it before and uh, but every experience is very very different and it's only until you there with your baby that you learn what's right or wrong but that's that's a, a massive amount of trial and error and it's going to involve lack of sleep you not eating yourself yeah baby crying constantly for you know days on end and you're 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 using up all your options in terms of what could be the problem and they're still crying at the end of it yeah and you know and you ask for advice and people give you 110 different things and they say have you tried ginger biscuits (laughs) and then at the end of it it really does affect your mental well-being as well as your physical well-being i think for us new parents you know, we had a lot of support from our families, but also there was a lot of, you know, we're, we're thrown straight in the deep end, out of choice, obviously. Mm. Um, and, you know, you almost left the sink or swim. And there was a lot of soul searching. There was a lot of heavy conversations. and Well, let's not beat a bar in the bush. We both at separate points in those first few weeks thought, did we do the right thing by having a baby? Yes. You know, and, and I think a lot of people don't say that. They won't admit to that. They don't want to say it out in the open because they're ashamed of thinking that way. And it is, I feel ashamed of it. But you've got to be truthful and honest about it. And we both questioned whether we had done the right thing. Yeah. You know, we've had this baby and we, you know, our life has changed completely and we aren't who we used to be. And what the fuck is this? Why, why is he crying? Why won't he shut up? You know, all of those things. You get angry, you get frustrated, you get upset. In between, there's a couple of like, ah, oh, moments where he's lovely. Yeah. But mostly it was just him crying yeah. or trying to get him to feed or trying to get him to sleep. Yeah, that was basically your life at that point. And I was in a lot of pain and you were trying to help or trying to, you know, help me get through it and trying to manage my medications and all that kind of stuff. And you were also trying to help bring our son up and make sure he was okay. And it was a lot of stress for you. And it was a lot of stress for me. And it was difficult. And I think people give you this rosy outlook oh your baby comes and it's just amazing and you're gonna have the Start best time ever life just you know with, yeah you know, with you know glowing. who i don't know who i was before i had a baby i know exactly who i was i still know exactly who i was before i had a baby and it was a fucking good person and i was having a good time yeah. i love my son and i would you know die for him but my life was good before yeah you yeah, know it's yeah. good now in a different way yeah it, it, exactly but don't tell me exactly. oh i don't know what my life was like before they had no purpose i had a purpose in life before yeah and yeah, i have yeah. another purpose now yeah I, I i know people in my life that have had babies or had children as 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 a means of giving them a purpose you know like this this is this is my calling this is my calling to be a, a parent this is my calling to be a mother you know for the two of us we've got quite an active life and you know we've got lots of things going on in our in our own personal lives i've got like music i mean hell we've got this podcast together yeah and you know having a baby is going to affect it obviously you know until you're in it you never really know how massive an impact it's going to have not just on your things going on in your social life in your day-to-day etc but on your emotions on your well-being mentally and physically yeah um, and, you know, it was 
very overbearing, I guess, for both of us. And we struggled. You know, we struggled for that first month. It's probably- yeah, even with all the support that we had, we had a massive support network around us and we still struggled. So those people that don't have that, and we have friends who don't have that support network around them. Yeah. And it's really fucking hard. Yeah. You know, and then at the same time, you're kind of shamed by society into not saying that actually I I find this really difficult and I don't enjoy it and I'm not sure that I want to do this anymore, be a parent or whatever. Yeah. Because you have all of those thoughts. No, exactly. You know? I'm, and I'm, whether you want to admit it or not, everyone has that moment, especially in the middle of the night when it won't when the baby won't stop crying and you don't know what to do. And you're waiting for the fucking paramedics to come around on Christmas night, like happened to us. Exactly. You know? Literally they came around at four like what's it like three o'clock in the the morning morning. they turned up and they came and he'd actually gone to sleep by that point he just had cried for hours yeah exactly he cried for hours he rang 111 he was red in the face and it was um you know and because he's got the we didn't we learned afterwards with his uh living Malaysia but you know he's having issues breathing at that point because he was crying so loud yeah he he was choking he he would choke and it's in yeah you panic oh it was horrible all of these things were happening and you just don't know when it will stop being that way what was lucky for us was that we'd had some friends who'd only a few months before had their own babies and had been there and they were constantly checking in on us making sure we were okay and they were also telling us you will feel this way these things will happen your baby might do this or your baby might do that try and handle it like this this might work or that might work they gave us things that we could then troubleshoot a bit better and a bit more um with a bit more knowledge and a bit more of a level head yeah then maybe if those people hadn't have been there for us i don't know what we would have done and how we would have coped and i genuinely think that the reason that i didn't have postnatal depression following having a high premise pregnancy having quite a traumatic birth having all these issues when we got home you know and you not being in work at that point as well you know we had money worries on our mind as well the reason that we i didn't have postnatal depression myself was because of you and your support and you the fact that you just stayed strong and then those moments where you couldn't be strong i tried to be and we also had our parents there as well for us yeah yeah, yeah and but even more than our parents i think our friend circle yeah definitely they were just amazing mums and dads as well you know like it wasn't just the mums coming up with like baby solutions they were there for us because they understood the mental strain that you go through yeah exactly and you know these are people that that had um just as equal uh traumatic experiences sometimes with their birth um some had an easy birth but then a difficult few months upbringing with their babies yeah um but like i said this is the thing you know every baby is different and every baby has a different um, impact. Ex- impact on people's lives the experience is different every single time mm-hmm. and so you can only um, learn as you go along but that first month is absolutely brutal um, and there'll be people that said yeah it was amazing and it was it was it was great and we didn't have any problems but good for you but that's not the case for a lot of new parents out there um, and also, you know, good for you if that was the case. But if it wasn't the case, don't feel like you need to say that. Yeah, exactly. Be yeah. truthful. Absolutely. I, you know, if you see my Instagram any day of the week, you know, yeah. on my Insta stories, there's always something that I'm telling you about that's not so easy. Yeah. In between my, you know, lovely posts of the back of baby's head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But also, I was watching, so now I'm the queen of daytime viewing. I love it. ITV daytime is amazing. Mm. And I'm not just saying that because I used to work there. But 
um, I was watching Loose Women and they had this conversation one day about should you be posting images of your children without their consent? Because this, Without the children's consent? Yeah, because this stuff lives on the internet forever. They're going to grow up and however the internet evolves going forward, this will always live somewhere, mm. you know, on a server somewhere up in the cloud or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, so should I be posting pictures of him as a baby? Because there's no pictures of us as babies unless we've posted them ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so do we give him a level of privacy? So that's why at the back of my mind, I'm like, actually, for a while at least, I can't promise I'll manage to keep this up forever because yeah. my baby is so cute. <laughs> but um, maybe, you know, for a while now, we will continue to not maybe post his face. Yeah, too much. I think, um, yeah, there's like... Th the internet opened up, opens itself up to so many people. And, and there's and, weirdos and there's freaks and there's dirty people out there. And, you know, stay the fuck away from my child. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, precisely. Um, but yeah, I will, I will I'll eventually. I'll do a Liam Neeson. I will do a Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She has some special skills, you know, and she could use them at any given point. I watched um, Killing Eve. I've yeah. learned a few things. <laughs> uh, that's worrying. But yeah, um, it's you know the first month was very very brutal, uh, and it's I guess it it has got easier over the last few months. Every day brings a brand new challenge. I mean, I haven't slept for about three weeks. Yeah. Let's not let's not you know coat this with sugar. One hundred percent. He's six months old. He's cute as fuck, yeah. and I love him dearly. Yeah. And I'm dreading going back to work and all of those things. But I can't sleep mm. because. You know, we did the silly thing of giving him a dummy. Yeah. And now that's all he wants when he goes to sleep. And when it falls out of his mouth, it's wah, 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 until we put the dummy back in his mouth. Yeah. It's really hard. I'm trying to train him away from it. It's difficult. Yeah. De desperate times call for desperate measures. And I want to pay someone. I'm going to win the lottery and I'm going to pay someone to just come and live here in our new house because we won't live in a flat when I won the lottery. Mm. And they will just deal with it at night time. Yeah. Because he does, he does cry randomly. Uh, through the night and for that we owe an apology to the parents of Miku <laughs> because Karma for, got the, for the Karma. whole of season one we've spoken literally on every episode about the adventures of Miku the child from downstairs the so-called child from hell and he's still a shit yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna draw past that point you know he's still a little shit but we have now also been blessed with a, an equally lively child that's uh, not, like, cried uh, endlessly through nights and throughout the day on par with Miku. No, look, so now Miku was a much older child and would do that. And he, this, and our little one is, you know, he, in the first few months he used to do that. Now he only cries for like, if there's a specific reason, Yeah, you know, he doesn't like being burped. And he yeah. doesn't like um, his dummy falling out of his mouth at night. Otherwise, when does he cry? He doesn't touch wood, you know? Yeah, he doesn't like... Cardi B was on TV the other day and he, he burst out into, into, really? yeah, into tears. Um, <laughs> so maybe he's racist. I don't no, know. Maybe he just he's not, you know, a big fan of... He doesn't like skin to skin either. I oh, skin to skin was a fucking... I've had, I, I, yeah, skin to skin was something that they said is the solution to everything. So if if a baby's crying, have you tried skin to skin? Um, he's not feeling well. Have you tried skin to skin? He's um, having issues with his parking tickets. Have you tried skin to skin? He didn't like... He didn't. Well, he didn't like being naked. 
Yeah. That was the thing. He always wanted to be covered. So if you got him changed, he changed his nappy, he would scream the house down. But he's yeah. not like that anymore. Yeah, I guess it was the winter, so he's probably a little bit colder. Yeah. Uh, whereas now it's, it's the warmth of summer, so he's not so bad. But I had one skin to skin with him in the first few minutes of his life. And then I've never had skin to skin thereafter because he absolutely hates it. Yeah. Um, but in a good in a way, because when he does like go for a full flown pee pee, it's like the, you know, the Trevi fountain. Yes, so it's probably best that he has some sort of clothing on. Yeah, preferably he, a nappy. Oh my God, the sprays that we got, the showers that we got were constant. It's calmed down a little bit recently. Yeah, it has, yeah. But, oh my word. Yeah, he would... Everything. Like, yeah, got it, us, got, we used to change him on our bed, got the bed. I mean, even with a changing mat, like he got the bed. Yeah. He got the carpet, like everything. It was like a, a geezer. He got the wall once, like a genuinely, like just whatever. Yeah, we could, they were, we do love having a having a boy, but there are drawbacks to having yeah. a son, unfortunately. Um, but you know, the one thing that I learned over this whole process, mm-hmm. what is that? Is that when all else fails, lo and behold, desi tactics actually work. Desi tactics and nineties uh, hip hop. Yes. Okay. So his favorite song in the whole world, because he calms the fuck down every time it's played to him is Soundboy Burial by Smith & Wesson. <laughs> uh, it's a really is, inappropriate song for him, but yeah, he loves it. He loves it. You can hear it playing right now in the background. Um, but he's he absolutely can't... Uh, anything's going on. He'll be in, like, sh- like tears flowing down his face, red face, problems breathing. As soon as I put this track on and I show him the video, calm, yep. silent. So if you have problems uh, with your baby currently crying throughout the day and not having any uh, solution for it, try Soundboy Burial yes. by Smith & Wesson. Yes. Because he loves it. Um, but yeah, the the Asian tactics work. So putting him to sleep, uh-huh. putting him in your arms, yeah, and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It fucking works. Do you know what else used to work? Go on. <laughs> so on Spotify, when he used to, like in the very early days, he used to like scream and scream and scream. So we would, we would put either white noise on because white noise is, yeah. you know, standard. It's a heaven sent. Yeah. Or I would put on this, this recording of Jigjit Singh saying Om 56 times. Oh my days. And I'm not joking. I put it on full blast and he would chill out. Yeah. And the reason that we that we discovered that was because you said Om to him really loudly yeah. one day and he just stopped. Yes. And I was like, right, Spotify search. And I found Jagjit Singh and he was a lifesaver. Now, okay, rest in peace, Jagjit Singh. Um, this recording, was it a live recording or they just looped this one time him saying Who knows? Om? I don't care. It worked. But it goes on for days. Yeah, it went on for 30 minutes. And but it felt like it went on forever. It was brilliant. It, I genuinely, genuinely recommend that as well. Yeah. That and the Gayatri Mantra. Yep. No. The biggest thing but, is the white noise. Yes, the My white noise God. still works. The other stuff doesn't work so much anymore. Yeah. But the white noise still works. We have also put him into lots of bad habits in terms of sleeping and stuff because we just did what we had to do at the beginning to yeah. get him to sleep. So now we were like, right, he's never going to sleep in our bed. He sleeps in our bed. Yes, he does. Yes. <laughs> he sleeps right next to us. On like this pod thing. I'm not supposed to use pods. He sleeps on a pod because he has reflux and that's the only thing that stops him being sick. At the beginning, that's used to stop him being sick. So he goes to sleep in that mm-hmm. next to me 
every night and he has a dummy because that also used to stop him being sick and he sleeps on his side because that also used to help him breathe and mm. because he used to choke in the middle of the night it was the most horrific thing when he used to choke it was like he was drowning just on air or lack of air it was horrible these things that you're not supposed to do we, and we ticked all those boxes. had to do all of them and i told the pediatrician and she in the pediatrician just went do what you need to do yes and i think do what you need to do is probably the best way to sum up like the first few months of having a baby keep the baby safe keep yeah. the baby in your room keep the baby safe wake up every now and again check on baby baby will be okay yeah keep but, the room cool don't okay right this is one thing it's not hot enough is what i kept hearing from mm. both mums it's too cold put the temperature up it's too cold he's cold can you not see he's cold no it's not too cold he has to sleep between 16 degrees and 20 degrees and that's it you yeah. can stop putting clothes on him stop turning the heating yeah. <laughs> make sure you do all the sensible stuff don't put anything on his face when he's asleep like don't be fucking stupid do you know yeah. what i mean don't give him a cushion or anything like that be sensible and you'll be fine yeah so that's the thing as long as your baby is growing he's healthy He's on line with his weight and height at that age and that's and that's how his trajectory is flowing. Then really whatever you're doing is absolutely correct. And people will frown on you, people will say you're not doing this right, people say you're not doing that right. It none all of that goes completely out of the window as long as your baby is happy and healthy. Another thing that can cause some discussion within families is the naming. You know, our baby is our baby and we want to call him what we want to call him, but everyone has an opinion. And it wasn't always agreed upon. Well, obviously, we come from two different cultures. Yes, we do. So I could have wanted to call him Jignis, and you could have <laughs> wanted to call him Jig the Valfried. <laughs> so obviously, we have to find uh, a fine line between the two, you know. Um, and, you know, obviously, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. So we have to think of multiple options for both. Because the other thing, this is, this is, what we're giving our child so it's a quite a big it's quite a big decision uh, and also we've got to factor in things like being in this country are they going to be able to pronounce this name are they going to be able to say it properly yeah it's honestly the life of a of an ethnic minority in the uk is really not easy uh, and you've got to factor in so many different things like this mm. we also wanted to use something that was traditional that wasn't too fusiony yes um because that that can be quite weird sometimes uh, with these kind I'm of. I'm a big fan of fusion names, but then that, the name that we've picked kind of sounds like it could be a fusion name. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not. No, it's a it's a you know it's a traditional name in that instance. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of uh, toing and froing, I guess, between us trying to think of something, and I guess we we settled on a decision in the end. Well, we had a, a kind of almost definite idea before, just before he was born. And then he came and we were like, no, he doesn't look like that, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, God, back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, so so it, took a, it took a few days after he was born. Yeah, to realize, does he look like that? I don't think he really looks like that. I think he looks like this. And then we kind of like, yeah, I think he, think he does. Um, uh, that name, we're going to keep it to ourselves, though. You yes. Know? That's, yes. That's for our personal life and our friends and family, I feel. Um. But it's it was again another painstaking process because we never we never agree on anything. You've known that having listened to all our podcasts so far. But how it kind of worked out was that you you were the one who found his first name. Yeah. 
And I kind of was like, Meh, at the beginning. And then when he was born and I saw him, I was like, oh, actually, maybe that name does suit him better than what we had originally thought. Mm. The one that I had been the most keen on. And then his middle name I picked. Yes, he did. Yeah. So he has a first name and a middle name. And your dad just didn't understand the concept of a middle name. No. Because usually in our, in, our, in our culture, Gujarati culture, middle names are usually the name of the father of the child yes you know but so even then dad was like I, I, I don't think he thought of that as a middle name for you guys i think he just thought of that as part of your surname maybe or something because he just didn't understand what a middle name was yeah he couldn't find, he was like no we don't do that in our culture we don't do this middle name stuff you know so he thought he had a hyphenated name which yes. he definitely does not have a hyphenated name because that would make it a really weird fucking name yes <laughs> and that he wouldn't, he wouldn't roll off the tongue that no. well um, but he thought it was <laughs> Bless him. He thought it was a hyphenated name, and he came up with this whole backstory for it that he, I just, he just had magicked up from somewhere. Yeah, um, which is we very... were definitely not on any drugs that day <laughs> trying to name our child. It, he has the, as a normal name, um, but yeah, you know, like like I said, um, you know, he's a child of two different cultures, a child of two different religions, and one of the important things for us is to make sure we instill uh, our cultural beliefs um, on him, and let him decide what he wants to do with his life you know whether he wants to follow a religion whether he doesn't want to follow a religion That's whichever religion he chooses whatever he wants to do yeah he as long as it's safe and as long yeah. as it's well, not it's harming about, anyone else yeah. and all of that stuff as long as he's not harming himself yeah um that's fine you know he has to respect other people he has to respect himself yeah most of all he has to respect us yes Otherwise, he will get a good telling off. Yep. Um, and that's it. We just I want to bring up a good person. Exactly. Gay or straight, doesn't matter to us. Whether he wants to follow this or that, it doesn't matter to us. The only thing that matters is that he supports Liverpool. And I think... Oh, he's, he's my a, little sweet too. He's indeed. Um, in fact, I think it's nearly time to go and pick him up. It, it's almost time to go pick him up. So look at that, actually. This is, this is how we stop our podcast now. <laughs> we have to go see to our bubs. Um, but I hope that was a, a, an informative experience um, and that it didn't detract you away from parenting because, like I said, everyone's experiences are very, very different. I also hope that we didn't bore you to death with our, another birthing story because, you know, everyone's got friends who will just bore them endlessly. We just wanted to let you know that everything can be different for and, everybody and that if you're feeling things that you think you shouldn't think, don't worry about it. Exactly. These things happen, and if it's a if it goes on for longer than you think is not like right, whether you think that's somebody you know or it's yourself, and you're worried about that, go and speak to somebody. Go and speak to your doctor. You know, go and speak to your midwives. Just let them know that you don't think you're okay. It's everything will be all right. Yeah, everything will be okay. But don't be afraid to ask for help. Yes, just go with your intuition. As long as your baby is happy and healthy nothing else matters and you are healthy happy and healthy because unless mummy and daddy are well looked after and they get some sleep and they eat properly and they you know and they drink enough water and all of that stuff unless you do that for yourself bubs won't be okay because he needs his mom and dad or he needs his mom and mum or his, his dad and dad or just his mom or just his dad however your family is set up they need their parent or parents to be okay so that they can be looked after because as a friend of ours said to us this baby knows nothing but you 
Mm. You are its world. And so you have to put all of the shit aside and focus on the fact that you are protecting this baby and helping to ease its transition into the world. Yeah. I think the key line that he used was, don't live your life, live its life. And that will enable it to grow happy, healthy. And I think um, that's how we'll, we'll end this show. Yes. Thank you so much for listening in. I am Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all again in two weeks, people. See ya! See ya! Peace.